The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Unlock the power of your dreams. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome to the Ask Dr. Dream show where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. I'm your host, Dr. Dream, Kelly Sullivan Walden. I'm so grateful to be here on Unity Online Radio. This is the place that is, they call it the voice of an awakened world. And that's the whole point of dreams is to wake up and learn something about ourselves and become a better version of ourselves. The number to call if you have a question about your dreams, we'll be taking them at the second half of the show. The number is 816-251-3555. Again, 816-251-3555. I've got an amazing guest coming up who is one of the keynote speakers at the International Association for the Study of Dreams, IASD, conference coming up in just a few weeks. And um, I can't wait to tell you all about him. But first of all, I'm going to read you the Luminous Humanness Thought for the Day for May 26th. And forgive the crassness of this one, but here we go. It's called Naked Living. If there's something you aren't proud of, find someone you trust to unburden your secrets to so you can release all shame and blame once and for all. Remember, you have never made a mistake Everything you've ever done has been a building block toward your learning, growing, and finding your way to the spectacular place you are in today. Forgive yourself for what you wished you would have done differently. Make amends with anyone you've hurt and start living today unburdened, unfiltered, unedited, and unscripted, allowing the beauty of your soul to be revealed. Affirmation. With my innermost thoughts expressed outwardly, I live out loud and free. So with that, I just want to invite you to turn within for a moment to just get centered, to just take a few deep breaths and enter into that dreamy place that is that bridge between worlds, the conscious and the unconscious, the liminal and the subliminal that place where we can open up the wisdom of both realms, where we can release and let go of any anything that would keep us from being fully present here at the edge of our seats on the tippy toes of the now moment. Let's just call in our connection to the sunlight of the spirit or whatever you want to call it, God, goddess, universe, all that is, dream maker, call it in. Let's allow ourselves to be present with it. Let's have a summit meeting on the mountaintop. Let's do that today because we can. It's our dream and we can dream it any way we want. 
And that's what I pick. So on that note, I'm just grateful for your listening, grateful for Unity Online Radio, and grateful, grateful for my guest today, Tori Nielsen. As I said, he's one of the keynote speakers of the upcoming conference of the IASD. By the way, if you haven't already purchased your ticket to this must-go-to event, and it's virtual, so you don't have to travel anywhere, you can go to asdreams.org. That's asdreams, asdreams.org to find out about the conference and more about the other speakers. I'll be one of the one of the many speakers there. Tori's one of the keynote speakers. Let me tell you a little bit about him. So he he's going to share with us a little bit about what he'll be talking about, which has something to do with micro-dreaming the dream's role in learning and memory, as well as nightmare pathopsychology. Pathos, I'm not exactly even sure how to pronounce that. We're going to find out in a moment. But this is, so you want to take some notes. You want to sit at the edge of your seat. And before, I'm not even going to say anything else. I just want to bring him on right now. Tori Nielsen, thank you so much for joining me on the Ask Dr. Dream Show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So are you in Montreal at the moment? I know you're a, um, a, 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 a what are you? <laughs> yep. You're a professor. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm, a, I'm a prof at the University of Montreal, and I am in Montreal. I'm sitting in my basement. Sitting in your basement? You've got good Wi-Fi for a basement. That's pretty impressive. And... <laughs> And okay, so let's talk a little bit about what you're what you're going to be sharing. And not that you're going to tell us everything that happens um, that's going to happen at the IASD conference, but micro dreaming—that's an aspect of it. So, right, um, right. So tell us about that. I know people are—it's sure. a buzzword right now. Micro dosing—I hear about that a lot, but yeah, micro dreaming right. feels newer to me. So, tell us about that. Well. My- Micro-sleep is another buzzword in the uh, sleep research community because of the dangers of, uh, of these really, really brief episodes of sleep, say amongst, uh, I don't know, long-haul truckers, or drivers, ah. airlines, pilots. Uh, all it takes is falling asleep for a second and you can you know, get disoriented, lose judgment, and get in a serious accident. And micro-dreaming, it, 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 I guess it was, my idea was to parallel this idea of micro-sleep because micro-dreams occur during those micro-sleeps. Yeah. And uh, I wanted, I used the term micro rather than, you know, the older terms like hypnagogic dreams or <laughs> dreams because I really wanted to emphasize how brief the dreams are that I'm studying. I, I would say mm. that I'm working at the very limits of sort of the, the very atoms or molecules, if you like, of, of what dreams are made out of. And um, I access these in a particular way. It's a, it's a variation of a method that's been used by a lot of people through history, you know, like mm. uh, Salvador Dali. Um, he had a method of the key that he used. Um, right. Thomas Edison had a similar method, and what it involves is falling asleep uh, in a, a seated position, so that as soon as you um, as soon as you, you fall asleep, your head will actually move, uh, or you'll have a limb jerk. You know, you have that sometimes after you've been skiing. But 
Um, and, and that will wake you up. It's like a built-in bodily alarm. It's the, the mm-hmm. muscle atonia associated with falling asleep. And so you're in a seated position. You can have your word processor right there. You can transcribe immediately the experience that you had. Uh, Salvador Dali, he claimed that, you know, in the second that it took the key to fall from his hand, because he, he would drop it inevitably when he fell asleep, and it would hit a metal plate. Uh, in that time that it took from falling from his hand to hit the plate, that he would have a, you know, creative enough image that he could base a work of art on it. And he had several several works that he attributed to, to these uh, images. Including and a I, movie, didn't he? He was um, a big part of a movie back. It was a it was a Hitchcock film, right? Do you remember that uh, Gregory it was a Peck? Hitchcock like film? Oh yes, no, you're right, you're right. I think he did do the visuals for a Hitchcock. Yes, movie. yes. But yeah, he did yeah, a movie yeah. with Bunuel as well, which was very gross in some some places. The one where they sliced open an eyeball with a razor blade, and it was yes, really right, quite. Right, right. Quite gruesome, um, but mm. uh, yes. So he he was very in touch with his uh, his uh, micro dreams, if you like. Um, and I've been using this method, developing it for years now, and um, it is now one of the main tools in my toolbox of of what I call a do-it-yourself approach to dream science. Okay, mm. The idea being that you don't need a laboratory necessarily to be a dream scientist. You can do studies on dreams at home, you know, as long as you follow a few scientific principles. And um, so the micro-dreaming approach is one, uh, one of these tools. And I'll be presenting that um, as well as a few others. The, I could give you an example of how I've developed yes. micro-dreaming oh, further than please, please, Dali please. or Edison. Um, the the uh, let's see the, there was a neo psychoanalyst named Silberet who who observed that the sleep onset dreams he was having they reflected what was he was thinking just prior to falling asleep. So for example, he was falling asleep thinking about how he was having trouble editing a really rough sentence in a manuscript, and he fell asleep immediately. Had an image of himself planing uh, a piece of wood. Okay, smoothing down the wood. So the mm. image symbolically represented sort of the roughness and the attempt to smooth down the sentence. And um, this, I thought, was a you know, landmark insight. I, I, I ran with that. And I, I, I'm trying to show now how uh, it could be used as an experimental procedure. And by experimental, I mean you actually do an intervention and see what the outcome is. It's not just observation. It's not just writing down cases like what Silberet did, but actually going in there. And uh, in my case, I will um, I will think of a of an imagery sequence like what could be something like peeling an egg with my two hands, right? Something mm-hmm. uh, easy enough to to imagine, and doing that over and over again as I'm falling asleep, and then at the uh, instant I fall asleep. There's that micro dream and uh, to see whether it will reflect what it is that I'm thinking, you know, the imaging that I'm, I'm doing. And uh, mm. to my great surprise, uh, the dreams are very responsive to those, um, to those interventions. And 
on top of that, they they demonstrate the various ways that dreams can modify, transmogrify, you know, <laughs> invert uh, the original the original image. So peeling an egg, suddenly I might be peeling something much larger, you know, like a grapefruit, Ooh. but in the same way, or mm. or the eggshell might be much bigger than it should be, or you know. Other things, it might be in a different part of the room all of a sudden that I'm doing this. Um, so there are many, many different variations, and this is part of the uh, the beauty of this, is that you can collect all kinds of illustrations of how dreaming symbolism uh, works. And there's, there's, like Thomas Edison, there's um, he would do this in the midst of working out some kind of a scientific problem, right? To with the with the specific question in mind to see if this this process could fill in the gaps or give him insight from his more intelligent self um, into his into his liminal self. Is that is that right? Is that part of how that goes? Well, I'm not I'm not sure how specific he got, but. Um... That would be the uh, the way to apply something like this, I would say, because we do tend to have micro dreams about the things that are going on around us at the present time, and yeah. very often you'll see many things sort of you know combined or or uh, you know almost jammed together into a symbol uh, in one single image. So for artists. Uh, or you know, creative thinkers in general, that would be the way they do it. Have a specific idea that you want to incubate, and mm-hmm. and then just um, yeah, think, keep thinking so. about it as you're falling asleep. Right. So this is just all the more reasons for to emphasize napping. The I know that for a while at the Huffington Post in New York City they had a nap room, and I think there's some there's some progressive companies that that provide a a nap room that it's not like you're it's not frowned upon to go into it's not considered checking out when you go in there it's it's like you're you're tuning in you're it's actually very productive work that happens in nap rooms i i imagine companies all over the world having this be a mandatory thing like if you don't go in every day then you your pay gets docked or something (laughs) well that would be uh that would be exceptional I know Wouldn't yeah, that be amazing? Huffington was a big promoter of that. She uh, and and it's true. There are napping pods. I've seen them in airports now too. But that's yeah, maybe a, a different goal. Um, right. But yeah, but to but well, to go napping, in with a specific intent and then to be yeah. to have you know the pad of paper or, or some kind of electrical electronic advice or your phone or whatever that you record. So it's not just napping to see what happens, but very deliberately. Um, right. Well, the, um, there's a, a difference between, say, full-out napping, say, having a, yes. I don't know, an hour, an hour and a half of a nap, and what I'm doing, because what yes. I'm doing, there's actually very little sleeping going on at all. Right. Since, um, I wake up at the very instant that the, uh, the dream occurs. So I, in fact, don't sleep at all. It's, it's a little bit mm. torture sometimes, but I can collect many images in a row. But let me tell you about the the napping because we uh, recently completed a big napping study, and uh, it was published yesterday. In fact, oh, tell us, please. And the um, press. Yeah, wow. Well, we actually found some evidence that uh, if you take a morning nap and um, 
this is important because morning naps are uh, very rich in REM sleep. And that means mm. they will be very rich in dreaming. And um, in most studies that we see in sleep research, they take place in the afternoon because that's sort of the natural time that people nap. But there's very little REM sleep happening in the afternoon, so dreams aren't usually looked at. But in our study, we, we, we looked at morning naps because of the REM sleep and the dreaming occurring. And we were interested in knowing whether uh, dreaming about um, learning a new, a new virtual reality task would actually help people to perform better on that task you know, after their, uh, after their nap and their dream. And so uh, the setup was something really quite fun. They're wearing a full, uh, you know, uh, Vive headset. They're standing. They have controllers. They're flying, actually, through a virtual reality landscape, very dreamlike in a way, I guess. Mm. And they're trying to navigate through a, a course of, uh, of green circles and um, trying to avoid the red one. So it's a, you know, it's a typical kind of behavioral task, but it involves the whole body and sensations of flying. And, uh, and there's, you know, there's other parts to it, but then we have them <clears throat> sleep. We give them about an hour, two hour possibility of sleeping. Most people sleep for 90 minutes. And, um, and then we test them again in the same task if they've changed have they gotten worse better and uh we took the people who had dreams about the task you know some identifiable thing about the task and we compared them to those who did not and the ones who dreamt about the flying task in some way um did much better and it was what's especially interesting is that it was not dreaming about the visuals of the task you know, we had mountains, we had valleys and the rings that they have to go through and so forth. The subjects who dreamt about those things did not necessarily do better, but the ones who dreamt sort of of the bodily aspects of their task, you know, the, the movements that they were mm. making with their hands, uh, you know, actual flying. We had several uh, flying dreams that occurred. Um, yeah, anything having to do with kinesthetic involvement in the task those are the mm -hmm. ones who really improved oh so, yeah that is so interesting so when you talk about morning naps i mean there was a, there was a period of time where i was i was getting up because my my dog lola she's an older pooch and she she gets me up a lot in the night so i would just wake all the way up at like two in the morning and be awake until like five and then I'd go back to sleep from five to eight. And during the five to eight period or even five to seven um, in the morning, I would, I would have the most intense dreams. So it felt, it felt like REM on steroids. So is that what you're talking about? Like a morning nap that is maybe connected to our sleep, but a little disjointed or what do you just, what do you mean by that? Well, yes, uh, I, in fact, I sleep the same way, and I usually consider the first five hours of sleep that I get to be my uh, non-REM sleep or my slow-wave sleep, which is more ah. the physiological recovery sleep. And then I'm up for, you know, an hour or so, and then I'll go back to sleep, and then I have my, my vivid dreams, and I do my experiments mm. on myself and so forth. But, yes, those naps in the morning 
and even if even if you take them much later than say seven or uh, our subjects, they come in and you know they they might start their morning nap at ten o'clock, which mm. is quite late in the morning. But even those naps are connected to your nighttime sleep in the sense that there is a an underlying twenty uh, four hour rhythm that we call the circadian rhythm mm-hmm. that is is determining how intense your REM sleep is. And your REM sleep um, early in the evening, is, is the pressure for that is very low. The intensity of REM sleep is very low, and it increases across the night and increases well into the morning. I think wow. the, peak, the peak for REM sleep is, is somewhere between 9 and 10 o'clock in the morning after most people are out of bed. But this is a sort of a slow-moving um, biological rhythm. And so you can benefit from that, and many people do, as your lucid dreaming uh, audience will will be aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people can exploit that going back to bed late, say sleeping in or you know going back for a nap, uh, to induce lucid dreams because the REM periods are so intense and the dreams so so intense that they're more easily transformed into lucid dreams. And for some people, I mean, for those who aren't that familiar with REM, there's, I mean, and tell me, like, fill in the gaps here, Tori, if you'd be so kind, but really the, like, during REM, that rapid eye movement is when we we get to really get creative where are we there's the movies in the mind that go wild and there's like the isn't there a relationship between that and our recovery as well i mean what are the benefits of more intense rem dreaming versus the more relaxed rem dreaming Oh, I see. When you say recovery, I uh, just want to make sure I understand what you mean. Well, by that. I think, recovery. you know, I mean, I think I've, just in my personal dream laboratory, meaning myself and my sleep, <laughs> when I have really intense REM, like really intense dreams or maybe, you know, the bigger REM cycles, when I've done the kind of sleeping that's interrupted, like I was saying, the morning naps or morning getting those last couple hours in the morning after having been up, I feel better in the day. I feel like my mind is sharper and there's, I don't know. I feel like there's some, there was more recovery from the day before. Is that just me making that up or is there, is there facts to that? Oh, I I think there's probably some truth to it. It, It's, there are different kinds of recovery going on over the, uh, the course of the night. And I think REM sleep may be more associated with recovery of, say, uh, emotional stability and um, sort of cognitive stability. The, you know, the more you're, you're having the very intense dreams, I think the more you're exercising the, uh, the best capacities of your creative imagery, of your, of your memory systems and so forth. Your, your dreams, they search farther and farther into the past and integrate these, you know, older memories with a lot of newer material. So there's this integration going on. And I think it's more intense when the REM sleep is, is, is longer and, you know, really more aroused. So, yeah, uh, personally, I've, 
feel more creative when I wake up from a, a vivid dream like that because I feel like my creative capacities have really been supercharged. <laughs> mm. So, uh, so for, I've talked to a lot of people, especially during the pandemic, that had a difficult time sleeping. And, and I'm wondering, and maybe this is a hypothesis that needs its own study. This isn't just something to like blurt out kind of without any basis. But is it true that if we're kind of tossing and turning, that it might not just be better to just get up and do something else and wait until you're actually really tired and then go back to sleep as opposed to associating sleep time with a restlessness and then at some point hours later you nod off is it better to just get up yeah. and say and store up all that REM right yes well what i think almost exactly described one of the primary uh tenets of treating insomnia I mean, if, if this only happens once in a while, it's, it's probably no big deal whether you stay in bed or not. But if it tends to happen a lot, you can't get back to sleep. Yes, then you do start to associate this, the being awake, the sense of restlessness, uh, thoughts going through your mind all the time uh, with your bed. And you don't want to have those things associated with your bed. And this is how your, your brain learns uh, associatively. So the best uh, advice is to get up do something else, you know, quietly, like read or, or whatever. And then um, when you finally do feel sleepy, then associate that sleepiness with being in your bed. So right. you're right. It's not only REM sleep, though, um, that we're talking mm -hmm. about here. This is sleep in general. Right. Uh, people who have insomnia, they're, they're losing both REM and non-REM sleep. Yeah. Mm. Right. Okay, so... But, we Go ahead. We we have about a minute before we go to the break. I just wanted people to know that on the when we come back from this break, I'm going to be taking your questions about your dreams, about your sleep, about your micro dreams, and um, we're even going to talk maybe a little bit about about nightmares and some of the research that you've done. But what were you about to say? You have about a minute before we go to the break. Oh, I was just going to say that insomnia, in my mind, probably robs people more of REM sleep. So. By encouraging mm. people to be interested in their dreams, we're um, encouraging people to sleep better as well. Because in order to, to have dreams, you need to get to the end of the night. So, um, yeah. Mm, it's so true. And tell us, you've got so many websites. What's the best place people can find out more about the research that you're doing on microdreaming connected to microsleeping? Uh, well, th they can go to... Um, dreamscience.ca and okay. um, th there's a sub uh, sub page uh, dreamscience.ca slash 2020 which has a uh, an experiment that people could participate in and help us out uh, understanding their uh, pandemic dreams oh that's fantastic okay so I'm talking to Dr. Tori Nielsen professor of the Department of Psychi Psychi Psychiatry at the University of Montreal. We're talking about micro-dreaming and micro-sleeping and all kinds of other things. We're going to talk about you and your dreams on the other half of this break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
dream interpretation, and a lot more. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Dream show. I'm Dr. Dream, Kelly Sullivan Walden, and this is where we uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. And we'll take your questions. The number to call is 816-251-3555. I wanted to just do one little shameless plug here. Um, I've been nominated for an award for the, um, the Hero's Journey Dream Meditations, and I've been told from people that listening to those are, are a way that if you're having a hard time sleeping, um, listen to one of these meditations and they help you not just get back to sleep, but they help you to actually have sweet dreams. So check those out. Hero's Journey Dream Meditations on, I think on, on Amazon, they're sold out, but I think you can, it just takes, you don't just don't get it right away. But if you have any questions about it, you can email me and I can figure out a way to get you the digital copies if, because who, who wants a CD these days? Um, send me an email at Kelly at Kelly if you're interested in finding out more about that. Okay. So talking to the professor of psychiatry at the university of Montreal, this is Dr. Tori Nielsen. And we've been talking about micro dreams and we're going to take your dreams, but really quickly over the break, Tori was telling me about two things that I think you guys really, really want to hear. So um, tell us about the partner dream experiment and how we can, how we can do something about this. Okay. Well, I, uh, I consider this another tool in the toolbox of do it yourself dream science. It's a, it's a type of experiment you can do at home with a partner, if your partner is willing, of course. And I've done mm-hmm. many of these trials with my wife, who is a very good dreamer caller and is willing to sit with me afterwards and describe her dream in detail. But the idea is to um, uh, very carefully try to stimulate some part of your partner's body. Okay, mm-hmm. and. Um, you have to be. You have to do this very slowly. I mean, it's 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 next to impossible to touch a person who's in REM sleep. And of course, you have to determine they're in REM sleep. But that is actually quite easy to do if you can see their eyes, for example. Or uh, very often they'll be twitching, um, or even making small sounds. So once you've term, determined the person's in REM sleep, then you very gently put your hand, say, on uh, on the upper arm, mm-hmm. but Take your time, and once but once you've made that contact and the person hasn't woken up, then you can start to increase, say, the pressure. You can push uh, more strongly on the arm, or you can say wrap your 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 hand around the arm and then start to squeeze it, or even slide uh, your hand. Yeah, it's up to you. You know, whatever mm-hmm. creative ideas you have about stimulating a person, and do this for about five minutes. The more you you do it, the longer you do it, the more intense you can actually stimulate and the greater chances there are that you will influence the person's dream. So mm. in the example I just gave of squeezing the upper arm, my wife in one instance, she uh, had a very vivid dream that she was wearing a brilliantly colored uh, bathing suit, but that her uh, left arm, the arm that I was stimulating, uh, was caught up and tangled in the strap of the bathing suit. She couldn't get her arm out. She couldn't get the strap configured properly. And uh, and that was just one small part of the dream. 
involving her arm. But you can clearly see the connection mm. and also how, how the stimulation leads to visual uh, stimuli as well. These brilliant colors often show up when you uh, provide this kind of, uh, kind of stimulation. So, yeah, this is something that wow. you can do at home, but you can't really, can't really publish in a scientific <laughs> journal. Right? Can't have a whole bunch of strangers coming in, and <laughs> I can see why this needs to be done um, among people that are that are comfortable with each other. That's that's great. Okay, what's yeah. the black glove experiment? Okay, well, the black glove uh, is something I came up with uh, a few months ago um, because of the COVID pandemic. I just started thinking, you know. It's, uh, it's even more urgent now because so many people are stuck at home and dreams are changing all around the world because of, you know, the increased sleep that so many people are having, the uh, the increased fear of contagion that so many people are having, so forth. Uh, so they're, they're stuck with all these pandemic dreams. And mm-hmm. I thought, why not uh, try something at home just with yourself? And I, I drew upon some ancient, ancient uh, dream incubation methods Um there's even one very similar to what I call the black glove approach, which is simply to take a black glove and put it on one hand, uh, either hand or both hands, I guess, if you want, and just sleep with it. And especially if it's in that early morning uh, uh, REM period that we've been talking about that's so rich in, in dreaming and REM sleep, and uh, just sleep with that with that glove on, you'll be surprised, I think, at the effects that you'll see. But um, yeah. Do you mean that a, you, a you'll dream that you actually are that you have the black glove on and it'll trigger lucid dreaming because you know that you just put that on? Well, so far I've, I've talked a lot about this, but I haven't been talking about the actual dreams that happen because I don't really want to bias people. Oh, interesting. Specific things. Uh, I've actually asked people to to email me at my email address if they if they have a, a interesting black glove dream that they want to share. But I mean, yeah, I guess it's kind of obvious that if you're sleeping with a black glove, you <laughs> you might be dreaming about that. Is it, you know, interesting. The hand or. Um, but that is interesting. Yeah, you know, I like the the contrast of the white glove um, test. Is this is very different than the black glove test? That's great. Uh, well, one thing that I noticed for sure is that my dream recall increased right away after I started wearing this glove. Mm. Um, I switched it around, though. If you wear it always on the same hand every night, well, you'll just habituate to it, and then it'll stop having an effect. But if you switch around and, um, you know, like I said, left, right, or both, or even change gloves, you know, try a, a tight leather glove versus a loose cotton glove or a baseball glove, or you know. Uh-huh. Uh, Oh, all the all the ways that we can influence our dreams and and be able to relate to this really amazing aspect of of our being. Let's take some let's take some dreams. Actually, I've got someone who's on the line who I know very well. I've known my whole life, even before I was born. It's my mom. And she actually has interrupted dreams. I mean, she interrupted sleep and does morning sleeping, um, napping. <laughs> so um, her name's Julie. Julie, welcome to the Hello. show. This is the first time you've ever called in. Uh, yeah, I guess. Say, so. say hi to Tori Nielsen. Tori, meet my mom. Hi, Tori. <laughs> hi, Julie, <laughs> did nice you have a dream you. or a Very question for Tori? So you sleep, you sleep like your daughter then. <laughs> well, I had a, a dream um, 
for either one of you this morning, and it was, I guess, um, in the REM period, must have been, <laughs> and I dreamt that uh, my lower legs were turning green. <gasps> and uh, one more so than the other, and then I was trying to get noticed about it and thinking maybe it's gangrene or something. And I felt fine, but they were green. And so and that was it. Ooh. No one seemed to be paying much attention. To the, oh, my to heavens. My okay. So, How did well, you feel about that? Well, I, mean, I was worried. What, I was worried. No, you were worried. Yeah, I was worried and nothing was being done. So, mm. um, I mean, I don't, my legs feel fine, Kelly. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. In, in waking life, but I, I don't know what it was. So is there, Tori, is there anything that you specifically, I'll weigh in on this, but I'd like to to see if there's anything that you get from this or that you, I don't know, besides asking what? how she feels about it, which is worried. Yes, that's true. You'll be a little bit biased in your interpretation, I think. But mm-hmm. uh, no, I think it's a yep. wonderful dream for um for doing further dream work because, you know, the, the, it's very, very vivid image of sort of gangrenous legs. Well, or at least starting to turn green. They're not yet. Uh, well, they were definitely the green. They were, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you may not feel any particular way. Um, you, know, you may not have any fears about your legs or anything like that, or, Maybe you do. I don't know. It could reflect some kind of fear um, about, I don't know, being mobile, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not walking enough, walking too much. But uh, it's also possible that it reflects something else, that the, the legs are just kind of, uh, you know, filling in for some concerns that have to do with, you know, serious medical mm. conditions. But uh, it, it, you, in my approach, uh, we would really have to sit down and you would have to reflect on um, your feelings related to the greenness and the legs and what that means. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty short, the dream. And I don't mm-hmm. remember anything before it or after. I think I woke up, but... Well, I'm going to just weigh in and add to what Tori said. And I I just think if it were my dream, this would be one of those dreams to to take to um, to do some, you know, an actual dream activation and go to a doctor. I mean, our chicken soup for the soul books are filled with stories like this where there's some strange physical anomaly and people go check it out and they tell the doctor, I had this strange dream. Can you check my circulation or check my whatever? And Maybe the first person or two doesn't say anything, but but it might lead to preventing something that could happen. My my feeling is that it might be circulation oriented. Um, mm-hmm. that, and it and and I and I I had the the thought if it were my dream, I'd want to journal from the perspective of what do my green legs want to tell me? Like if your green legs could talk. In you know inside the dream, if we could interview them in the dream, would they have a point of view? Are they trying to? What would they express? What would they say? That they're trying to shock me. I think. Ah, ah, they're trying to shock you. And what yeah. would be the outcome of that if they could have their their ideal scenario? 
trying to shock you to what? Um, I guess to go to a doctor and get mm-hmm. some, get something done. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. I just, I don't know if I can go to a doctor and tell him I had a dream. Well, you have to remember the story of Cat Cannabis, who yeah. who had a perfect bill of health and who was visited by a monk that kept saying to have her to have exploratory breast surgery, even when they came back with absolutely nothing, and she had nothing but a dream to demand exploratory surgery, and she eventually did, and it saved her life. So, yeah. and so, there's so many stories about you know people self advocating and having a dream be be that. And I think as Tori Nielsen was just saying, it might not be anything that's health related. It might not be, it might be very figurative. It might be something else. But I think the fact that it was your, your feeling was that it was worrisome and your feeling about this is that it was trying to shock you into doing something. I think that's the value of, of dreams like this is the shock factor that would, that might awaken us to do something that might be embarrassing to our ego might be out of character, but, Mm -hmm. but what if, what if it could be, what if it could be helpful? I mean, as your daughter, I say, do it. (laughs) Normally I'm trying not to be too pushy, but in this case I'm overstepping and I'm going to drive over there right now and take you. (laughs) That's what you get. That's what you get. She might need a leg massage or a foot massage. Yes. (laughs) But at the very, at the very least, the, the dream, could be uh, a kind of a, an alert, you know, something that you should be watching. Because if there is anything serious going on, you would expect it to come out in other dreams of a similar nature. It, oh, it wouldn't just okay. be a one-off, one-off, very quick dream. That's, that's in my mind, not how dreams work. They're, dreams tend to reflect uh, actual changes in the body physiology. And so if there's anything there... Um, it should come up again, but mm. um, oh. yeah. yeah, that's a great point. And just as a little synchronicity yesterday, and this might be TMI, but I took a long, hot salt bath because my legs were really hurting. So I'd been exercising more than normal. And the night before wow. I couldn't sleep because my legs were so muscularly like tight that I just had to really like let them soak. So I wonder if uh-huh. there's like a, a jacuzzi or a hot tub or something at your gym that you could, you know, if it were my dream, yeah. I would, that, that was helpful. It, it, I had a really great sleep last night as a result of that. So anyway, wow. thank you yeah. so much for calling in. I hope you do this more and I want to hear more about the progression of these dreams. Pay attention to those. And sorry to be so bossy, but not sorry, not sorry. <laughs> okay, dear. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, let's take Denise. Denise, we got to hear your dream. Let's hear what's going on with Hi. you. Um, I had a dream, one of many, but I had a dream that um, I was with a woman. Okay. And and, and it was some type of tour or. He's walking around in the building with me, and it was other people around, too. And this was a super nice lady, super mm-hmm. nice. And she's showing us X, Y, and Z. And just I think she was like a tour guide. Don't get me, you know, that's okay. what I think, if I remember correctly. Okay. Then all of a sudden, 
the lady decides to take a damn gun out, and she Ooh. pointed it at me. And I'm like, in the dream, I wasn't even afraid of the gun. I was mm. just, I said, but she was the sweetest, nicest lady five minutes ago, and she's still pointing that gun like, I'm glad you thought so. I, I evidently did very good by convincing you and the rest of the Ooh. people in here that um Ooh. that now what was she was trying to steal or why she's pointing the gun at me? I don't know. Maybe she was gonna take over the whole doggone building. But Ooh. it was just the dream to me was more it was a handgun. Um mm. it was just more like and I even said it to her, I said, I can't believe I said it to her in the dream. I said, Who would have thought? Because you were so mm. nice, and she just looked at me like, okay, and your point is? I mean, mm. like, oh, and that was the end of the dream. Oh, wow. Thank you. That was That's quite a jarring dream. Thank you, Denise. Okay, so, Tori, I pass to you first. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, any dream with a gun. Put, you know, it's very strange because this morning I myself had a dream where I was fighting with a guy who had a gun, and he actually shot me. Oh, twice what? in the face while what? I was fighting with him. Yeah, and and I I, I actually died in the dream, and it's, <gasps> you know I can't remember the last time I died, but wow. yeah, it's, you know it's very uh, well. I don't know. My dream wasn't terrifying, but it's yeah, it's special. And I wasn't. But it sounds like I wasn't terrified. I wasn't terrified. I no. I, I couldn't be terrified. I was so. I just couldn't believe the world that I've come from. I can pick up on things like that. And I was actually mad at myself for not being able to see any small mm. red flag that this woman had this inside of her to switch up and turn and be so, as we say, violent. But she didn't shoot me. She pointed it at me. But I was the one walking with her, so the rest of the people really got saved. Because instead of pointing the gun at them, how nice am I? I get the gun pointed at me. <laughs> Right. Well, that's that's what I was going to say next was that it sounds like the sense of, I don't know, almost betrayal was more important in this dream than than mm. being, you know, personally yeah. intimidated. That there's this person was not who you thought. And you had you had no way of knowing. You, um, I don't know. I would explore if we were doing any kind of therapy, I would explore with you. If there are other people in your life who who you see in this way, you know, where you, where you're not quite sure that yes. you trust them. Yeah. Yeah. Is um, there someone yeah, or is I'm, there a situation in your life where you've been um, shocked at and betrayed at their, their behavior be, turning on a dime like that? No, but my dreams to me are always, too, this is my philosophy. Uh, it's always like two weeks out. I, I, I see the results of them or the results of what I think they are, or whatever's supposed to be revealed to me, in about mm. two weeks or so. So I'm thinking that somebody in my circle is, is not showing me who they are. But with my age and all things being considered, I have friends for the last 30 and 25 years. So that's what's alarming is who is this that I have some level of trust in and they're not to be trustworthy? I'm guessing that's what this dream means. Wow. Well, I'm going to, I'll throw in just a, a couple thoughts. I was just talking the other day about how in relationships, the one of the biggest make it or break it elements is emotional safety and, and how it doesn't matter how kind or loving or sweet you are. If you're, if you don't have a grip on your 
emotions. Like if you're going to explode at a moment's notice on somebody, then you're kind of, you're kind of out. Like you don't have the, I was saying it for me, for people in my life, like even if you're the sweetest, kindest person, even if you're Jesus and you're going to turn around and just react on me, I don't want you. So I was just, this is kind of coming from another perspective. It's, but I was feeling like the, how important it is to be integrated with ourselves. So I always think that everyone in my dream is an aspect of myself. So if this was my dream, I might turn it on me and say, where, where do I have some part of me that could just go off? Like that, that hasn't, hasn't been healed or hasn't been integrated? Is there some place where I might just get triggered, like using the play on words with a gun and just go off and, and, and maybe hurt somebody in anger or in not exactly sure, but, um, it feels like I, I think Tori hit the big word that I was also connecting with betrayal. Um, where has somebody else betrayed me or where have I betrayed me? in not um, mm. maybe taking care of mm. of my own needs in that way. Is that bringing anything up? Okay. I, I say the latter more than um, the first one. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, people just, you know, I'm a giver, 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 and people just keep calling in and with their problems and da, 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 da. And, and I, sometimes I just feel like, my goodness. And then when I have one, as my mother would say, the only person is there is her. But I opened the mm. door for that. I've, I've opened the door of my life for that, but I'm very conscious of it now. And it's a lot more no's than when the phone rings. It's like it's going to be some negativity because that's how that person is, and they want me to say it's going to be all right. But when does that cease? When do you say, you know something, find somebody else to call? You know, and know. it's it's okay. interesting because it's the the person who is the kind one that when they have a bad day or when they say enough's enough that people are really devastated as opposed to somebody who's always cranky or always pissed off or always mean True. if they have a bad day nobody cares it doesn't it doesn't rock their world but it's the kind one when that person says you know what no more mrs nice guy that's when everybody's like devastated so mm-hmm. i don't know they think and there's the more, something and know. the more yeah the more that i'm like that now the phone seems to be ringing more because I'm not answering. So it's like, wait a minute, that's who I lean on. That's who's going to listen to all my, and I'm not doing it anymore. So the phone is ringing more because it's like, what happened to Denise? She's the one mm-hmm. I can always count on. She's not that busy, but I, you know, I have to, I, I don't know. My mental health to me is, 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 is pretty doggone good. It becomes bad when I'm sitting around talking to these people about what they did wrong or didn't do right or what's going to, you're supposed to be a friend to people. But I, here lately I feel like, you know something, I'm tired of hearing it. Who's hearing me? But I'm not asking right. anybody to hear me. <laughs> so there's something in the, and I, if this were my dream, it's about creating new agreements. And Don Miguel Ruiz That's talks about the four agreements and and how unconsciously we set up agreements with people in our lives. This is the way it is. This is the bedrock of our connection. I always call Denise and she always gives me advice, period. It doesn't have to be reciprocal. So it's time for a new agreement that could maybe be more mm. sustainable. 
And so that there doesn't have to be a blowing up. Like I think the gun is such a great metaphor for a blow up and even being triggered. And um, to me, there's a blessing in this woman that turns in the dream because she's saying, I'm going to blow if I don't, if things don't shift, I can't always be Mrs. Nice Guy. I need to. And I don't know, I need a more sustainable set of friends or friendships. Tori, is there anything else that that, is this triggering or stimulating anything else for you, Tori? I like like that, Kelly. Whoa. Mm. No, really. It sounds like uh, you put your finger on some real insights. uh, Pulled the trigger. Oh, Oh, my goodness. It definitely hits me. And I think I would do what Tori said, Denise, about like exploring more dreams like this, like even incubating this dream further um, and seeing if more if more shows up. And I might I don't know, you know, me from from the show, I'm always a fan of diving into the the one who seems yeah. like the enemy, the one with the gun. I really want to know this person better. I want to understand what makes her tick. I want to understand why, like what like I want her to talk to me. So I might have her journal through me. Um, I don't know if you're up and open to doing something like that. Yeah, but she is not me. I am not her. Mm -hmm. Either one of y'all interpret that as me being her unconsciously. No, 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 not necessarily. But I think that it's always worth, it's always worth exploring. Like what, even if it's not a part of self, if it's, but understanding to me, it's like one of the mm. best ways to live fearlessly is to have is to understand the nemesis, to have um to have them unburden themselves so that we understand them because there's nothing more devastating than like you said being caught off guard, and this dream caught you yeah. off guard. So there's a learning curve yeah. here. So we're right at yeah. the edge of this hour, and I can't believe we've gone so. This has been incredible. So I hope everybody goes to the IASD and checks out Dr. Tori Nielsen's talk for the upcoming conference and go to his website, dreamscience.ca, to share some of your pandemic dreams. Dr. Tori Nielsen, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today on the Ask Dr. Dream show. Thank you. Well, it was a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you at the conference. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.